Welcome to 2024. This is the first interview in the AmeriCorps Connections podcast for 2024. And I couldn't be more than happy to be kicking off this year with my friend, my friend, and an AmeriCorps alum, and an AmeriCorps guru, and a database guru um, who forced me to learn how to use Salesforce. I appreciate the kindness and the support. Um, Amanda McSwine, I'm so excited to be here with you today. And before we dive into this interview, which just for the folks that are watching, um, I'm sure it's going to be all over the place. Um, we did spend a year working together at the South Carolina State Service Commission. So we do have um, a lot of fond and fun memories. Um, but for those of you that are new, that are just coming across this AmeriCorps Connections podcast, my name is Nikki Fiacco, and I'm the founder and brainchild of this this platform where we bring AmeriCorps alums together and just hear and reminisce about their national service story. And then we, one of the things I love to do is learn about what they're up to now. We have more than 1.2 million America, a million folks who have gone through AmeriCorps and now are alumni. And I'm just interviewing and connecting with a fraction of a fraction of a fraction this past year in 2023, because of the AmeriCorps Connections podcast, some of these folks that have been interviewed have actually seen and interacted with each other in the flesh, like in person. Um, so I'm just really excited. I'm super excited to be starting off this new year with some exciting news. Um, I mean, in February, we'll have a fantastic and exciting announcement of a new partnership with AmeriCorps Connections, which you're going to have to continue listening into February if you want to learn what that is. Um, but I, I do want to promote an amazing opportunity that's going to be coming up uh, for AmeriCorps alumni across the country. And it's in a partnership with the um, Tool Bank USA. So I'm a proud board member of the Baltimore Community Tool Bank. Um, the Tool Bank rents tools to community partners for them to take on ambitious projects. You can rent tools from hammers and wheelbarrows to tables and cones um, to protective glasses, um, heaters, coolers. I mean, you think about it, it's a huge warehouse and these tools for change make projects in our communities happen. And I'm just going to pull this up really fast. I'm so excited about this. Da -da -da -da. So for the first time ever, we are going to have a tool bank AmeriCorps week service project across the country. Yes, massive snaps. This came out of a crazy conversation I had with the executive director of the Baltimore Community Tool Bank, Noah Smock, who was interviewed on the AmeriCorps podcast at the beginning of the season. I believe it was in March. Um, like I said, I'm on the board and I said, do you think this is possible? And of course, he's an AmeriCorps alum. So he was like, yeah, let's make this happen. So during AmeriCorps week, which is March 10th through the 16th, um, these participating tool banks will have service projects um, available. So if you're in Baltimore, Charlotte, Cincinnati, uh, Houston, Phoenix, Richmond, please think about reaching out to your tool banks and finding out what projects they have available. This is so exciting. I'm so excited. And this is the first ever, I think, time that AmeriCorps alumni are going to come together across the country and do service projects. So reach out to your local community tool bank, find out what's going on. Or um, I was going to say, contact me. Don't contact me. I don't know the details. <laughs> so that is my promotion. Oh, one more promotion. I will say very great 
a product placement from Back of the Napkin, Dana Benjamin, who is also a friend um, of Amanda. Um, so we do not know what is in this cup, but it is the cup that I am using to drink my beverage as we do this recording. So without any further ado, I want to jump right into our first guest of 2024, Amanda McSwine, um, who is currently working at Civic Spark. Um, oddly enough, um, when she applied for this job, I said, holy moly, I recorded, I I interviewed uh, an AmeriCorps member from Civic Spark. One of my first interviews was with uh, Julia Garcia, I believe, um, was the member. Um, so Amanda, tell us all about your story. Who are you? What are you excited about? What was your service? Like, let's just <laughs> dive in. Let's start with where did you, like, what program did you serve in? Sure. Um, also great intro and congratulations on all of the products and the new things coming up. I'm so excited to see this um, platform flourish and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and yes, also thank you for that, uh, for the podcast with Julia Garcia. That was super helpful as I was learning more about Civic Spark uh, when I was in the interviewing process. Uh, but before we get there, then yeah. Um, so I actually served three years as an AmeriCorps VISTA. Um, and I'm sure anyone who has listened to your podcast knows that AmeriCorps VISTA is the capacity side of, of AmeriCorps capacity building um, with a specific focus on um, alleviating poverty in whatever area that you are in. So I did two years with Newberry College um, as a part of South Carolina Campus Compact. Um, so I was at Newberry College in Newberry, South Carolina. Um, and then my last year was actually with the um, United Way Association of South Carolina slash the South Carolina Service Commission. Um, and I served as a VISTA leader um, for my last year. So yeah, I think there were maybe one or two others on your podcast that uh, committed to service enough to do three years were a little bit crazy, but it was, it was fun. It was a good experience. What, um, what, how I, for those folks that like, don't know the difference between VISTA members and VISTA leaders, um, tell a little bit about your experience as a VISTA leader. How is it different from being a, a, just a VISTA member? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like um, when you are in like a, let's say, regular job, we don't like to typically use that language. It's service. Um, and you are promoted into like almost a supervisory role. So it's similar. It's not quite the same. Um, so as a VISTA leader, you don't supervise other members, um, you support them essentially. So a lot of the work that I was doing was about building the capacity of the program. So I did a lot of work on like creating a website to promote our program. I, um, built timesheets for members to, you know, uh, do their time. Um, and there are times where members were having like problems or like needed, you know, just a listening ear and I would be there. Um, but it's not like a supervisory position. It's mostly supporting, making sure that the organization um, and the program is running smoothly um, rather than being in like a supervisor or kind of like disciplinary. And that's, that's not the role of this, the leader. <laughs> yeah. It's not a fun role anyways. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Like How I, many... I do not think that I would enjoy it. <laughs> I know. Right. I'll just pretend I didn't see that. Like, <laughs> 
Um, how many Vista members did you support? And were they all like around you or mm-hmm. were they like spread out in South Carolina? Yeah, so it was a statewide program. So they were spread out um, everywhere. And I think it was about um, 15 or so. Um, It wasn't a huge program, but it was a financial stability program. And all of the VISTA members were working on like different things. So some of VISTA members would be working on like having financial stability classes where they taught about credit and, you know, things like that. So um, yeah, it kind of like runs the gamut of essentially whatever is the most prevalent issue in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was based in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and they were all over the place. <laughs> wow. Did you travel? So I traveled a little bit um, to do like a site visit, but it wasn't, it wasn't too much. Um, we did have several trainings and I feel like honestly, that was some of the most fun because we brought all of the VISTA members into one place um, and we were able to have, you know, just like a little bit of fellowship and time together, which can be difficult when you're in um, a remote position. Yeah. Totally. For sure. So many people are feeling that now. I was just um, going back and forth with a colleague about a project and she's like, I really miss all of us getting together. I'm like, I don't miss being in my pajamas all day long during my work day. It's a lot for me now to put like normal clothes on. (laughs) I agree. Like, I feel like I have replaced most of my like grown up um, real clothes with just different forms of sweats. And I honestly don't want to go back. (laughs) No, I have found though, I found like three signature outfits and Mm. I can wear them to different events because generally we're in front of different people, like in my nine to five. So one group of people I'll see on Wednesday and then I won't see, I'll see a brand new group of people like three weeks later and can wear the same thing and they have no idea. I love that. I love that. (laughs) It's the Steve Jobs black shirt uh, uh, sort of thing without having to make decisions. Um, So after your VISTA leader position, you rolled right into the commission, is my understanding. Kind of, um, almost. So there was a two-year period there where I was in grad school. Um, So kind of like how that happened is uh, originally when I joined AmeriCorps, my intent was to be in for a year, get a little bit of money for grad school and then be out. And obviously that did not happen. Um, And I feel like that is just the way of AmeriCorps where you get drawn in um, and then it never lets you go. (laughs) So I really just kind of like fell in love with the work. Um, And so one year turned into three. Um, And I was trying to decide what I wanted to do next. Um, And I had intended to go to a a grad school that was out in California. And I went to visit the school. I had an interview and it just wasn't what I was hoping for. Um, And so I was like, what do I want to do with my life now? (laughs) Like, So trying to figure that out, I kind of... um, stumbled into finding that the University of South Carolina was, um, their applications were open for the School of Social Work um, MSW degree. And so as I started looking into it, I was like, this sounds like right up my alley. (laughs) So um, up until that point, I had done a lot of service between like high school. Um, I did, I was required to do 50 hours of service because of the high school that I went to. 
Um, and then, you know, that rolled into my AmeriCorps service, um, you know, and in undergrad doing like a lot of service, like because of scholarships. And so I was like, there seems to be a common theme here in my life. Um, and so when I actually applied to, um, the MSW program, my essay or kind of like personal statement was essentially my, um, proposal letter to, uh, service. And so, uh, that's kind of like when I decided like, this is my career path. Like this is the path that I want that I'm choosing to go down. Um, and so this is my, me fully committing to that. Um, So yeah, from 2015 to 2017, um, I was in grad school. I got my MSW degree. Um, And then I graduated in May. um, And pretty soon after my graduation, I got a call from Carson Carroll, who was my VISTA leader supervisor and also would be a great guest on the podcast. She is also an AmeriCorps alum. Uh, Sorry, Carson, I'm putting you out there, but I think you should do it. Um, but yeah, I got a call from her and she said, Hey, um, don't take any jobs yet. (laughs) And I was like, okay. She's like, okay, bye. And so then, (laughs) then months later, um, she got, I got a call back from her and said, Hey, like this job is opening up, um, please apply. And so kind of after that, the rest is history. Um, and so I started in October of 2017 with the South Carolina Service Commission. Um, wow. Yeah, and I was there until, let's see, 2023. So uh, a good long time, a good chunk of my experience has just been all in the AmeriCorps world. Yeah, I want to circle back to some of the different things that you did within the commission. Yeah. Um but first, I want to just go back real quick to your um, your personal statement about service. I'm yeah. curious, like, so I don't know, sometimes when we, we're talking about service, it's like this altruistic, I want to help community and I want to make an impact and da, 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 da. And some people are like more specific. They're like, I want to make sure that 50 dogs are adopted every single year, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Like, I'm going to stop Ill- or. I don't know, make everybody be able to read and have access to books. Probably we'll edit that out. <laughs> but what was it? Uh, do you recall like your um, personal statement and what was singing to your soul at that time? Mm. So that is a good question. I I can't remember specifically, you know, like what was the kind of through thread about like for my personal statement. Um, but what I remember, and I got this from my service years, is that I was so frustrated that, um, you know, you could have like really, really hardworking people, um, people who are doing the absolute best that they can, and they are in dire, horrible situations. And because of no fault of their own, it's just like the system and the hoops that they have to jump through in order to, you know, pick themselves up by their yeah. bootstrap. It's like impossible to do um, with all of this red tape and all of these things that, you know, are just keeping them in these situations. Um, and so I was just so frustrated hearing that and seeing that over and over again with the people that I was working with. Um, and so that's kind of like where I decided, like, this is where I want my focus to be on. Um, I want to kind of, I want to dismantle those systems <laughs> that are putting people 
in these situations um, in the first place, rather than just treating the symptoms of, you know, like the, the things that are happening because of it. Um, and I think in one of your previous episodes, you were talking about, you know, who's throwing the kids in the river in the first place yes, when you're upstream. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so for me, like my focus has always been, let's go down the riverbank and figure out why the kids are falling in in the first place. Um, and let's stop that. And then that way we don't have to have this huge system of fishing the kids out of the river, putting the blanket on them, giving them shoes. Like if we just stop it from the beginning, um, then we could, I don't know, for me, have so much more impact. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense. And when you kind of start to see your purpose, like show up, you're like, Oh, like, okay. So I can, I can make all my decisions going forward based on what my true values are. And I think something that you said is so important where you were frustrated and you want to dismantle the systems for me. I, so I start, I was in constituent services in governor Hogan's office and I, I was getting calls every single day, all day long about people that were in situations that they could not navigate through the state systems. And I, it was my job to try to connect them to folks that could help them do that. And it was exhausting. And I have resources and I have privilege and I had a full-time job and I had insurance and I, you know, all of the things. And I was tired and I wasn't even advocating for myself. So I couldn't even imagine these people who are taking off or folks that are taking off work to try to get to SNAP benefits and then they're not seen and then the office closes and they still don't have SNAP benefits and they've taken a day off work and they can't go in the next yep. day. Yeah. When we think about that, like on a big picture, it is so overwhelming. It's like, yeah. we can't go into the department of health in South Carolina or in Maryland and change the whole system because there's so many prongs in the system. But I found that if I can, and, and this is kind of through some of the service, if I can just do my little piece, like when I was with the commission, what program can we make sure we fund? What, what pathway can we open up? And that's kind of this, really the genesis of this podcast is let's connect each other because we have resources and connections and you might know a job opportunity that's open. You might know, uh, you know, some pro professional development that I could take that might help me do whatever. Um, but I just wanted to double down on like folks out there that might feel like, yes, I want to dismantle the system. And you get into it. Like when you get into the commission level, you're like, there's a lot of system, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it can be so frustrating, but it's like, just, just keep going, you know, just keep going and go small. Yeah. And then that small, small little like uh, effort will blossom. Yeah. Um, actually, Nikki, one thing that you said to me when we were still working together at the commission um, was the idea of the beautiful work. And that mm -hmm. has always stuck with me um, because it can be so frustrating when you are in this work and you see just like how much there is to do and you feel like just you as an individual person like can't do anything. Um, and so it's the idea of doing what you can and then letting that fuel you and just appreciating the beauty in the work that you are doing. And that has always been um, very influential for me because I can be cynical at times. I know that. Really? <laughs> so yeah, I know. Uh, I'm sure this is a surprise to you. But... I would not say no, I would actually not say cynical. I, I think realistic. 
would be probably the the a better um definition of it and also just cautious and not cautious in like a afraid to do something but like I'm the kind of person I'm learning not to do this where I just jump in with, you know, I'm like, sure. Oh crap. This isn't even water. I don't know what this is. Right. <laughs> like it's taking me under the water. Um, but I love surrounding myself with people like you who are like, well, maybe let's take a step back, you know, and, and let's think about like three or four steps down the line and let's make sure starting here, we make sure the outcome is what we want, but we've got to start with like, what are we asking for in a database? You know, what, what kind of information do we need to know and how are we going to store it and how are we going to get back to it and who's going to use it and see it? And does it really matter? Right. Where I'm like, wait, I'm down here. I want the prize. You know? <laughs> Let's just think. Well, this is why we work so well together, Nikki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, those are all such great stuff. Thank you for reflecting on your service and explaining that. That's I think it's going to really hit some people. Um, so when you did your work in the commission, what were some of the different, first of all, what was your growth path? Because, you know, jumping into a national service commission is like, oh, I think I know what I'm doing. And it's like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. So what was your kind of trajectory and what were the different things that you focused on and felt like were important for the commission? Yeah, um, you are really testing my memory here. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm trying to remember what my official title was when I first started. I think it was maybe program operations manager. It was probably like know. fix it's... all things. <laughs> I mean that I I feel like it was program operations manager. It was something like that. Um, but essentially, my job it it evolved, but it was always around like building systems capacity um, and essentially like making the work flow a little bit easier. Um, so it went through a few iterations. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, like when you first start, I'm fresh out of grad school, like really the only experience that I've had is with AmeriCorps. So I'm learning to become a professional really. Yeah. Um, but actually the first, you know, almost year of my work was just writing policies and procedures. Um, so up until that point, um, the commission did not have any like official written down policy or procedure manual in how we do things. Um, and so that can be difficult when it comes to AmeriCorps because so much of it is like, you have to do this thing and you have to follow exactly what the code of federal regulations is and all of this stuff. And so up until this point, a lot of that information was just living in people's heads. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really appreciate kind of like um, this learning process for me because it really helped me to define some of the systems that I use in order to, um, you know, do things and like build processes and flows. And also again, shout out to Carson Carroll, uh, who was my uh, supervisor as um, when I joined the commission officially as a staff member who, you know, nurtured that in me and was able to kind of like, let me explore um, and figure out how, like what kind of professional and what kind of um, systems and things I wanted to build and how to do that. So my first uh, year, I basically just interviewed every single person on my team and said, here's this thing that you do. Please explain to me how you do it. And I recorded those interviews and I took what they said and I just wrote it down um, and tried to 
find ways to make it make sense <laughs> that um, it wasn't in someone's head and on paper. Um, and also shout out to One Star, which is the Texas yes. Service Commission, because I borrowed a lot of policy and procedure language from their um, from theirs, which are already like beautiful and well thought out and all of that. Um, but yeah, well, so that was essentially my I, first year. Yeah. And going back to that, um, in the, so I was in the commission world from 2019 to 2022. Um, and that's one of the things we did. We shared resources, we shared mm -hmm. policies. Like there was no, our policies basically had to all be the same pretty much. The procedures were probably just a little bit different and the tools were yeah. different. This is also something that this podcast has benefited me on some of these things. Like in my nine to five, I'm a communications director and um, my organization wants a communications plan. Well, I was on an interview with Jason Rose. He's a communications director for, I forget which town, somewhere in Idaho. And I was like, you don't happen to have a communications plan, do you? And he's like, yeah, sure. Here you go. And so like, I was able to literally go to my boss a couple of weeks ago and go, here's a communication plan based off of, blah, 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 blah. you know, like why should we have, you know, do yeah, we're all working yeah. in different fields, but sometimes we can support yeah. each other with resources. And that idea really came up for me based on the culture of the, the uh, state service commissions, which by the way, folks that don't know what the state service commissions are, there is a state service commission in every state, including Puerto Rico and Guam and DC. Mm -hmm. And uh, they pretty much manage, would you say, like 95% of the AmeriCorps funding that comes out of the federal government, mm -hmm. right? So they're basically grantors in your state that grant AmeriCorps funding to different projects. And um, if you want to learn more, go to America's Service Commission website and read all about it. <laughs> and join States for Service as an advocacy <laughs> program or advocacy group. Um, yes. Anything you want to add to that? Um, I also want to say um, shout out to America's Service Commissions. Um, I think You've had Chester on your episode, um, who Chad. works for Ask, or yes, Chad, Chad, um, who works for Ask, um, and I think they are a big part of fostering that culture of just like share what you can. This work is already difficult, so why not support each other and share information and everything that you can? So, I, just, I really, I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for Ask when I was uh, working with the commission. I just thought of a ripple effect of America's Service Commission. I mean, they're amazing hands down no matter what, but but they're impacting and creating that culture of shared knowledge and shared yeah. resources. That ripple effect effect and that footprint is massive. Thank you, Kyra and Rachel and yeah. all of the leadership on that team for creating that culture of not competing with each other, but sharing resources and, and supporting. So, wow, that was an awesome reflection. We love you, America's Service Commission. Want to sponsor a podcast? Want to sponsor a podcast? <laughs> yeah. All and right. honestly, like they, they, I still am always on their website and their base camp um, servers, even in my work now. So yeah, yeah. would not know what to do without them. Do you want to talk about your work now? What are you up to now? Sure. You did your commission. Yeah. What are you up to now? We've been talking for 30 minutes. Yeah. So um, as I said, uh, AmeriCorps National Service draws you in and never lets you go. Um, 
So now I am actually working for Civic Spark, um, which is powered by Civic Well. Um, and Civic Well is a nonprofit organization that supports leaders and communities that are responding to the climate crisis. Um, specifically, my program, Civic Spark, places AmeriCorps members into um, local organizations for about a year to work on a specific community or climate resilience capacity building project. Um, and so Civic Spark is actually in its 10th year. Um, so shout out to everyone on the team. Um, and fellows do all kinds of types of work. Um, let's see, like uh, decarbonization, um, storm water pollution prevention, um, uh, decreasing like greenhouse gases, like just all sorts of things. It's really, really cool. Um, if you're interested in seeing the, um, you know, the gamut of what Civic Spark fellows do, you can uh, visit the website. It's just a lot of things. I think we have um, 135 members right now. Wow. Um, yeah. So specifically, my role is AmeriCorps Grants Administrator. Um, and so what I like to say is that I read through like what are the requirements of our grant and I make sure that we do them. <laughs> so that is it's the just, easiest just way easy when like I'm that. trying to explain to my mom what I do for a living, that that's how I try to explain it. Because <laughs> the AmeriCorps world is just so nuanced and has so many different facets um, that it it can be hard for someone to, you know, get understand what you're talking about if they haven't been entrenched in this work for so long. So in layman's terms, I just make sure we are meeting the requirements of our grants. Yeah, which is huge because if you don't read the, meet the requirements, then there's a lot of times a penalty or something that yes. happens and it doesn't happen until way long down the line. And then it's even you know harder to find where the where the breakdown went. And I will say that like one of the things I wanted to also point out is like you're working with an organization that has an environmental um, focus, but you're fo you you haven't had experience in in <laughs> you're not trained in, in the environment. Right. You don't have a degree yes. in that, and I think that that's also something that's so important within our cohort and within our alumni. Um, that if you have national service experience, there's a place for you somewhere in the AmeriCorps um, ecosystem or sphere yeah. if you so want to get go down that 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 rabbit hole or within that industry. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a great example of showing how, you know, your work is, is, uh, can go across sectors as far as like focusing on different areas of, um, expertise. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. Um, and I will say like, that was one thing that I was like, I don't like, you know, in applying for this role, I was like, I don't have any environmental service experience and all of that. Um, but it has been just so, so interesting learning about that and like becoming more entrenched with that work. And I will say I am so impressed with the kind of like environmental fields and especially um, planners, like community planners, they have taken such a um, intentional approach to incorporating justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion into their work, which has been so fascinating to see. Um, and so I have just 
loved like soaking up and learning so much about this world. Um, and yeah, like, I think that is part of service. It just can take you in so many different areas and in so many different experiences that you weren't intending or weren't expecting. Yeah. And I think that is really why I fell in love in the work with the work in the first place. Can you give us an example of um, maybe an organization that's incorporating um, equity, diversity, and justice and belonging maybe into their programming? Um, when I was kind of still in the environmental field, I remember when they were talking about incorporating, making sidewalk, the sidewalk experience different. So it wasn't like the sidewalk was right next to the road. There was like this buffer of like, plants and trees between the road and the person where they're walking and the, and the walkway was a little meandering. It wasn't straight so that they were having an ex people who were experiencing what we would like to, I guess, say vertical parks um, it, or horizontal parks. I don't know. Maybe I'm making something up that doesn't really exist. Um, whatever. Don't fact check me. This is not a fact checking <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, so it's just one example or two that you have found that you just think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I am new to this world, so don't fact check me either, friends. Um, but I think one of the things that I was really impressed by, um, it was one of the, like, I think it's called the... Um, like American Association of Planners. Uh, mm. They have several conferences and um, which I was able to attend. Uh, so cool. Yeah, in my work with Civic Spark. Uh, but some of the things that they were thinking about um, or were in the works. Uh, so I think one of them was like a, a park for um, people like with blindness so that they could like mm. experience a park and like the structures and like be able to feel the things. Um, again, I will have to uh, look up like actually what it yeah. was, but like some of that where they were just trying to um, make the areas that people live in more accessible to everyone and not yeah. just like able-bodied people who, you know, like who, who we consider like the norm or who things are mostly made for. They were really intentional about including everyone and anyone and anyone who's going to be experiencing that space um, in I their planning. I feel like as you were talking, I'm, I'm looking at your background and I'm just thinking like that way of thinking of including everybody with all their different abilities and the way we show up in the world. Um, it's just going to be like, I don't know, a little bit brighter and just more of a Right. Just more of a, it's silly to say, but more of an inclusive experience here on this planet um, yeah. for, for everybody. And, and, and everybody will benefit from that because, okay, I'm getting, I'm going to get woo woo. But if you like, <laughs> if everybody is experiencing joy, then the vibration is lifted. And so I, even if I'm around somebody that doesn't, has different abilities from me, if they're experiencing a park and they're finding joy in that, that's going to affect me because I'm within their sphere of of frequency. Yeah. That's so exciting to hear. I'm going to have to look more into that. And how cool is yeah. it that you get to go to conferences on like cross sector conferences? Like I went yeah, to a no, conference. It, it was like, definitely great. I've learned so much. Um, and then I, you, you know me, I tend to not be woo woo, but I also just like, I, I love that idea that like joy is contagious and that that is, 
you know, that's just like an essential truth, like whether you are woo woo or religious or whatever. Um, and that is one thing, again, that I love about service is that not only are you experiencing so many new and different things, but like you are experiencing new and different people as well. Like there are so many people who I have crossed paths with um, because of service that I know that that never would have happened otherwise. Um, and so it just really broadens your horizons and your perspectives and um, just like your general uh, like atmosphere of yourself, yeah. like and who you are and how you experience the world. Yeah. I, d I usually don't have titles for my um, podcasts. I, well, I didn't in 2023, but maybe this is going to be a 2024 thing. And maybe this one's going to be titled Joy is Contagious. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Yay. Um, so I also want, so you're with Civic Spark. Anything else you wanted yeah. to talk about with Civic Spark? Um, I will say, um, I am excited to share, and you might've saw this on LinkedIn, but, uh, so Civic Spark currently, um, it operates in California, Colorado, and Washington, uh, Washington state, and we are expanding into the Southeast. So I'm super excited about oh. that. Um, and I don't know, you know, exactly when this episode is going to air, but our partner applications are open. So if you are an organization um, in the Southeast or in, you know, the other states that I named, um, and you are interested in either learning more about Civic Spark or having a fellow um, or the types of projects that fellows work on, please reach out to me or someone on the Civic Spark team. We'd be happy to talk to you. Um, and I would really, like, I really want to see, like, the Southeast, especially South Carolina, because that's where I live. But I really want to see how... Civic Spark can support the work that is already being done here um, and provide mm -hmm. additional capacity and support, um, you know, for those really important like environmental justice um, aspects. So anyway, that is happening. So if you're interested, please reach out. I love that. We'll make sure we put the um, all the links in the show notes for um, reaching out to uh, Civic Spark if you're interested in any of those um, opportunities. I'm hoping to have a pretty quick turnaround on these podcasts. So cool. hopefully it'll come out next week. I'm recording on the 20th, January 20th and the sun and Mars. <laughs> no, I forget what it. there's some, oh, sun and Pluto are like doing some sort of square today. So if you think back to January 20th and something bizarre happened that's probably the sun and pluto doing something um, okay. okay off air you'll have to explain to me what all of that means <laughs> well totally um so our friend dana benjamin yes. who is not a sponsor of this podcast yet but um <laughs> i she gave me my first product play, placement mug and so i'm product placing her mug um you also are connected with dana in yes. fact you introduced me to dana to mm -hmm. interview so yeah. you want to talk a little bit about that Sure. That's actually a, um, a, you know, just speaking of AmeriCorps connections, that is how Dana and I met. Uh, so my position with the um, South Carolina Service Commission ended in April and April of 2023. Um, the, the new year, like within January, it like really messes me up. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I'm trying to like, put together like an accurate timeline of what is happening. Um, but yes, it ended in uh, April of 2023. 
And I was reflecting on, you know, what is it that I want to be doing? Like, what am I interested in? Um, and so I just posted in the AmeriCorps alum um, LinkedIn group. And if you are if you are an alum and you're not connected to that group, highly recommend. It's great, so supportive. Um, but yeah, I just posted my resume in there and said, "Hey, I'm looking for my next opportunity. Interested in you know meeting people." figuring it out. Um, and Dana reached out to me and she's like, Hey, I would love to, you know, just talk with you. Um, so we had a little chat and it was like an immediate connection. Like, and I, again, no another thing that I love about service is that when you meet fellow, you know, AmeriCorps alums, Peace Corps alums, like you just immediately recognize something in each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when Dana and I were talking, I was just like, immediate connection, like, um, loved talking to her, loved hearing about her experience. Um, and so, you know, she was obviously telling me about back of the napkin. Um, she's the principal consultant, um, um, at this evaluation firm. Um, and so as we were talking, she was just saying like, you know, you might be a good fit for some projects that I have coming up. And I was like, I mean, sure. You know, not really thinking anything of it. Um, and so we just, you know, kept, um, stayed connected. And then a few weeks later, she said, Hey, this project is happening. Are you interested? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I am. I was yeah. like, it was great. Um, and so I, uh, in the period, like in between, um, you know, when I, my position with, uh, the South Carolina service commission ended and between like when I started, with Civic Spark, I was working with Dana um, on some projects that Back of the Napkin has going on and just like had a great time, um, loved working with her, loved working with her team. And like Dana is just like, she's just such a firecracker. Like she has so many good ideas. Like she's just constantly like, you know, going on to the next thing. Um, she's actually like very similar to you in that way, Nikki. I think that you two are just like constantly like having ideas. Um, and I think that is, you know, why I work well with people like you because I'm always like, yes. And then how are we going to get there? <laughs> right. Yep, absolutely. Um, and so I think that is something Dana saw in me and was like, I need you to like direct this <laughs> because... I will just like keep having ideas um, and I need you to like reel it in and make sure that we are actually doing the things that we are saying that we're going to do. So um, yeah, I have absolutely loved working with her and I'm actually still um, working with Back of the Napkin part-time, um, you know, just for like smaller projects, uh, but it has been a great time. I've I've loved it. <laughs> So, so shout out to Dana. <laughs> I know. Way to go, Dana. And um, yeah, she, when she was talking about her evaluation for um, NCCC, where they were, I think they had to, they were planting trees for the salmon. And mm -hmm. because if they go upstream and it's hot, they, and then they had to do the evaluation. Yeah. And so she came up with one fish, two fish. And like, I need that kind of creativity in my life, yes. like yeah. all the yeah. time. No, I feel like I learned so much about Dana from your podcast. I was like, I didn't know this. Like, she's been very in the lead this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's so cool. Um, well, one of the things I wanted to incorporate into the podcast was kind of like 
what are people excited about? Like what, you know, whether it's your professional career, personal career, some new skill. I know that I think that you had told me that you try to learn a new skill every year. Um, you know, what, like, what is something that you have on the horizon or that you want to accomplish this year? What do you, what are you super stoked about right now? Amanda McSwine. Yeah. Um, now that you said my name like that, I'm nervous. Like you <laughs> say my government name, like my mom, like am I in trouble? <laughs> Just don't call me Nicole. <laughs> I know. Like if you put my middle name in there, then it, I'm like really in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually one thing that I'm super excited just like right now in this moment is um, the ritual library. So I mentioned to this to you um, before we started recording, but I'm actually at the library right now. Uh, recording this podcast. Um, I reserved a room uh, to record in and I actually reserved the podcast mic that I'm using right now from the Richland Library, their library of things. Um, so they have like so many things that you can, you know, similar to a book that you can just borrow. Like they have like pressure washers, they have like cooking utensils, they have this podcast kit, which is what I'm using right now. Um, so you can just borrow things from the library. Because um, mm -hmm. again, like I said, I was thinking about buying my own mic and I was like, don't do that. <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> so I just borrowed it from the library. Um, and then I have a week, a week to rent it and then uh, return it. Um, and yeah, at no cost. So support your local libraries, friends. Uh, it's great. <laughs> That is super exciting. So library of things. So that's in Richmond, South Carolina, in Columbia, right? Um, Richland. Yes. Oh, Richland. Yes. Um, Richland Library. And is that like a thing? I mean, I guess, did you look more into libraries of things? Because it kind of makes me think about the tool banks a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. The tool bank doesn't similar. have utensils or baking mm -hmm. stuff, but I'm wondering if this is like a thing that libraries do, which would be cool to connect with the tool banks. So if folks are like, Hey, do you have this? And they're like, no, but check out this library. You probably don't know, but do you know? Yeah. I am not <laughs> sure, um, you know, like which libraries do it, but it is a thing that libraries do. And that's one thing that, um, I think is really, really interesting. I feel like a lot of people have this concept of libraries that they're just like for books and then they're old and stuffy. And it's like, that is not the case anymore. Um, libraries are just a hub of activity and there are so many things that you can do there. Like, you know, I'm renting a room right now. This library has maker spaces. You can um, use a 3D printer here. You can go to the business center. I've done, um, interview practice with uh, librarians before. Um, you can, you know, rent from the library of things. And, you know, of course there are books too, but there's just so much that you can do here. So I am a huge advocate of libraries. Um, definitely recommend everyone support their local library. Well, look at that. Wasn't that a fun 20, first 2024 <laughs> endorsement for libraries? I yes. see you running for library board in- um, Honestly, your... it's so funny that you say that, Nikki, because that is one thing that is like constantly in the back of my mind. Like I desperately want to be on the board of Richland Library and I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. 
<laughs> so, you know, new politics helps folks. I don't know if it's a politically appointed or you have to get voted mm-hmm. on, but the new politics folks, Christina Flores, they might be somebody that or an organization that you can reach out to and ask for support in that. Um, I love it. Okay. Oh my God, this is so fun. Yeah. So speaking of new politics, I, I know one of your questions is eventually like, what would you like to see from... Yes, alums. Um, so I'm just going to use that as a segue um, because one of the things that I would love to see from AmeriCorps alums and National Service alums in general is um, being more politically active and running for office. Because um, I think what we need more of, regardless of political party, is servant leaders um, and servant leaders who are willing to put. Uh, the needs of their communities um, and the individuals and their constituents above their egos. And I think that national service, um, you know, produces strong servant leaders. So I would love to see more of that. And shout out to the New Politics Academy um, because they help um, individuals, especially like alums of national service to become more politically active, whether you're on you know, the front end as um, as a candidate or on the back end learning how to, you know, run a campaign either way. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to shout out to them. Um, yes, the end, period. The end, period. <laughs> Drop the mic. Drop the mic. <laughs> well, I listen, love it. this is from the library, so I can't do that. I have to take good care of it. <laughs> I love that. I love the plug for the library and also new politics. I agree. I was on there. They, the, they have a podcast and I was on that. Um, I don't know if it's been published or not. And that was one Mm -hmm. of the biggest questions, you know, what, how would politics be a little bit different if we had more servant leaders? Um, so I don't know, maybe Amanda's next appearance on podcast will be for new politics and, (laughs) and talking about servant leaders, but I agree. Um, Amanda, this has been so fun. We could just go on and talk forever. Like we might as well just go grab a glass of wine. (laughs) I'll stop recording and we'll just catch up. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that not only the AmeriCorps alumni hear um, from you or know, um, but just the broader audience that might be listening to this that may not have national service background? Um, yeah, I guess like what I would just want to say is that whether you have, you know, like a national service background or not like service in general is just such a enriching and fun experience in life. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you're doing like, you know, an hour of service, um, just at like your local, like animal shelter or library, 5k or library, shout out ritual library again. Um, you know, you can find some sort of service that will speak to you um, and that you will enjoy. I guarantee it. So, you know, find something, find something to find your joy. Um, and I think that service is a great way to do that. I love it. Thank you so much, Amanda. Joy is contagious. Yeah, it is. Title of this podcast. <laughs> um, this has been great. Folks who have made it this long. Um this is the way it is on the AmeriCorps Connections podcast. We get rolling and the conversations are deep and rich. And hopefully um, you're all taking something away from this. Again, um, if you are around any of the tool banks that are having their service projects, the AmeriCorps week, which is March, dun, 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 March 10th through the 6th. 
And the tool banks that we'll be having um, projects are Baltimore, Charlotte, uh, Cincinnati, uh, Houston, Phoenix, and Richmond. So Amanda, this was awesome. And awesome. until another- Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, thank you so much. See you all <laughs> on another episode. Bye. Bye.